All right. Welcome in everyone to the Hustle With Us podcast. I'm your host, Tristan Plunkett, hustling with you today. We got John Wilkham hustling with us in just a minute here. I got Craig Mushno hustling with me right now. Craig, how are we doing today? Tristan, I'm doing good, my friend. All good here. Really happy about that last interview. I think so. Yeah, obviously, we just got off the line here with John Wilkham. We're going to get to him in just a sec. I just want to remind everyone while we're listening here, making sure you're scrolling down on whatever app you're listening to us right now. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Five stars if we're so lucky. And make sure you go ahead and follow us on all the social media outlets at Hustle With Us on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, we do have the Facebook page up there. Just search Hustle fitness. But real quick, let's just get into it here. We just got off the line with John Wilkham. He's the author of his own book, Walk on Warrior, Drive, Discipline, and the Will to Win. It's available on Amazon and wherever you can find a book these days. Uh, Very interesting interview from his perspective of coming from a small town in Wisconsin, working his way up through the ranks, eventually transferring over to Marquette University, where he was able to make make himself part of the Golden Eagles there. Craig, what did you think of the interview? What, I mean, some definitely some interesting tidbits. What was your favorite part? I just liked all the different stories that John had, had to tell us about his uh, early playing days, how he moved into, you know, he started out as a Division three school and then eventually as a walk-on at his dream university, uh, Marquette. Um, and then all the different opportunities that came about as a result of that experience. I mean, I think he's got just a lot of really great stories. Um, so many of those stories that are showing up in the book. So uh, that's going to be a really great read for a lot of people listening. Definitely a great read, especially for anyone out there that is thinking of playing at the next level, uh, wants to play at the next level, whether it's through a scholarship or as a walk-on. It certainly gives you some insight as to how you can accomplish that goal and then what basketball can bring for you uh, post-college if you're not going to be playing over in Europe or if you're not going to be playing in the NBA. But hey, let's just let him tell the story for us. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Mr. John Wilcom. Before we get to our interview, a quick word about the Hustle Sports training app. If you're an athlete trying to improve your skills or a youth sports coach trying to develop your players with an effective training program, look no further than the Hustle app. Hustle is the simplest way to learn new sports skills. We partner with coaches and trainers at all levels to produce instructional videos and training plans that will help you to improve your fundamentals and master advanced techniques. Whether you're building out your practice plans or looking to improve your form, techniques, or fitness, Hustle has a training plan for you. Download our app in iTunes or the Google Play App Store by searching Hustle Training or visit our website at hustletraining.com. Get a leg up on your competition with Hustle. All right, here we go. All right, welcome in, everyone. We have with us on the line Mr. John Wilcom. John, he is an author, a coach, and a former player at Marquette University. He's the author of of a recent book called Walk on Warrior, Drive, Discipline, and the Will to Win. You can find it on Amazon and wherever your books are sold. This book has been top of the college basketball charts on Amazon for the last 33 weeks. So you got to think he's got something to say to us here. John, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. I look forward to talking with you. Absolutely. Really appreciate, really appreciate you taking the time as well. I mean, let's, let's get right into the book here. It's obviously a, a bestseller. It's doing real well for you. It's self-published as well, which is just a little notch in your hat right there. It shows a little bit about your drive, discipline, and will to win when it comes to book selling and basketball playing. 
Uh, what gave you the idea to write this book and you know, walk us through what we're going to read in there? So I actually started uh, writing this book 14 years ago. And even while I was a college um, student athlete, I was writing down stories here and there and kind of journaling things that went along really just for the, the, the thoughts of, I need to remember this stuff so I can tell it to my kids someday. And so um, kind of as the years went on, these stories compiled on my computer and, um, but I never really got around to organizing them into anything that, you know, would amount to a book, um, much less, um, you know, even just a, a story that was, that was, um, that I wanted to tell. Um, and so anyway, really the last couple of years, my wife's a medical resident and she works long hours, was on call working hundred plus hour weeks. And I thought, you know, I could either watch a hundred NBA games this year or actually do something productive with my time. So I, uh, really buckled down and, and turn this into a real book. Um, really not with the motivation to want to sell books, but I would go to bed at night and I just thought to myself, there's probably a lot of kids out there, uh, a lot of teens especially, that could benefit from my experiences, um, some of the things I went through growing up in a small town, um, but having that dream to play Division One college basketball. And so um, I decided to share it and just uh, going through the journey of, of obviously creating a book and, and uh, a cover and um, marketing it has been a, a real learning experience for me, but certainly a fun one. We definitely know where you're coming from there. Obviously at Hustle, we're all about teaching these kids and forwarding their games in any way we can through this podcast and an audio medium, through the app and a visual medium. And then through your book, we can certainly get the idea of what it's truly like to take your talents to the next level. Now tell us a little bit about that walk-on experience. You started at a, at a smaller college, D2, if I'm not mistaken. You made the transfer over to Marquette where you thought you might just be the basketball manager. And all of a sudden you find yourself there in the lineup for the Golden Eagles. Tell us a little about that story. So I was a good high school player. I was a three-time all-conference player um, in central Wisconsin. Got a Division II scholarship in Minnesota and played my freshman year there. and um, Played quite a bit, had a good year, but just wasn't happy being in a rural environment. And so I really wanted just to transfer to a bigger school that was closer to home. My dad had been a student at Marquette in the 70s and was actually a student there um, during their one and only national championship in 1977. So growing up as a child, Marquette basketball was kind of a part of my upbringing. And when I thought about um, just who I would want to play for, like the, the John Wilkham dream wasn't just to play college basketball. It was to play college basketball at Marquette. So when I was looking at schools to transfer to, Marquette just made the most, most logical sense. And um, I don't think my parents were financially <laughs> thrilled with that because I basically went from a free education to having to fork out a ton of money to go to a private school. But I had the intention of simply being a team manager and helping uh, with summer camps. And um, during those summer camps, I would play with the guys at night. And it got to the point where uh, one day, Director of Basketball Operations, Brian Wardle, came up to me and just said, you've got two months and we'd like to have you try out to be a walk-on here. And we have no idea if you can cut it, but basically when you leave camp at the end of this week, um, and come back to school in a couple months, um, we're gonna see if you have what it takes. And so I certainly, just having played with those guys, um, you know, the previous few weeks, I knew I had the ability to play at that level, but the, the conditioning and the workouts and everything was uh, so amplified that from what I was used to, even though 
um, my work ethic had really gotten me to that point. So I, I wasn't shy of, 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 of working hard, but um, it's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother experience, especially when it comes to strength and conditioning. Um, so I, I basically showed back up and um, I talk about this in the book, but that first strength and conditioning session uh, was absolutely brutal. Um, I think for an hour straight, I just, I wanted to quit at every point, but you know, it was the strength coach coach's job to essentially break me down um, and, and to, to show me what type of experience this was going to be. And, um, you know, really over the course of that year, I think as much as I developed physically, I mean, I went from, I think it was 159 pounds when I showed up. I was 177 pounds at the end of the season. My body fat had gone down to, to about 5%. So I was in tremendous physical shape. But I was just so much tougher mentally, knowing that whatever these guys were put in front of me, I feel like I had the ability to to overcome it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, walk-ons. I know you touch on this in the book, but um, you know, what kind of advice do you have out there for any potential listeners who are considering becoming a walk-on, or you know, we've got a lot of coaches that listen to the podcast, coaches who you know are, are mentoring and working with potential walk-on players um you know what advice do you have for them first thing i would say is i think the the walk-on role has kind of gotten magnified almost in the wrong way simply because you see games on tv and you see these guys waving towels and (laughs) dancing crazy and everyone's like wow that's a (laughs) walk-on when i played it certainly wasn't like that um i was treated the same as everyone else on the team the only difference is i i wasn't getting you know a scholarship but um you know, even when I started, Coach Coach Tom Crean, who was the coach at that time at Marquette, and is now the head coach at uh, University of Georgia, brought me into his office and he just sat me down and said, "I'm going to coach you like everybody else, and if you're not comfortable with that, tell me that. But I'm going to get on your case. I'm going to scrutinize every detail just as I would with anyone else. We're going to break down film. We're going to work on every you know weakness of your game." So I always appreciated. Uh, just that mindset because I was there not to, to be a cheerleader. Um, I, I was there to compete and contribute. And so I always, uh, I always valued, I guess, playing for a guy whose mentality of the walk on role was, was that. Mm-hmm. No, I got it. So, you know, we, with walk-ons it's, you know, we don't typically think of a path into professional basketball afterwards. Um, but you know, that happens sometimes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the different opportunities that come up for walk-on uh, players after college? Sure. Yeah. I would say that, uh, again, for people listening to this that are players, coaches, at the end of the day, if you're a great player, the one thing that I didn't realize, especially growing up in a smaller town, is the amount of professional basketball opportunities available to people um, outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, I'm turning 35 years old this week and I still have former college teammates that are playing professionally overseas and get paid to, to play the game that they love. And so I guess growing up as a teen, you often think that it's the NBA or it's a regular job. And the reality is that there are so many good professional leagues all over the world that will pay you to play basketball. Um, and I've had a lot of uh, friends and, and even kids that I've coached now um, that are playing overseas. So I would keep that in mind just as you think about, um, I guess, what you could be and what college basketball could be for you as you plan out your future. Um, it could certainly cascade into a, 
a, a much longer journey if you're good enough and that's what you want to do. Um, so I think, you know, that part of it's exciting. Um, also say just that, um, you know, playing basketball is such a unique privilege. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we forget this as we get older, but you know, when you're a teen, you just want the opportunity to play, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're on scholarship or you're a walk on or division one, two, three, NAIA, um, you want to be out there. And I think we've seen this with, uh, even a team like Murray state and John Morant, where, you know, people have talked about go where you're appreciated, go where you're wanted and go where it's a good fit for, for you and your skill set. Um, I think that's a big part of just the, the college decision uh, today that, that kids often overlook. Um, it's not about the hype and it's not about, um, you know, looking good on social media, but really find that good fit and find a system that's best for you. Let's, uh, let's get a little bit uh, post, post-college. You, uh, you did get into a little bit of coaching afterwards. What, who were some of your mentors? And can you tell us a little bit about what you learned from each of them as you made that transition from playing to coaching? So my first coaching job was a varsity assistant job in Milwaukee, ironically at a high school called Milwaukee Marquette High School. Hmm. Uh, it was an all-boys school, and the head coach there um, was a former graduate assistant at Duke, ironically, in the early 90s that had actually been there um, during their back-to-back national championships. So um, he had been there at an unbelievable time to be hmm. a student at Duke. Yeah. Um, you know, he knows Christian Leitner, Hurley, Hill, all those guys, Grant Hill, Hill <laughs> all of them. So, um, to be around that and then to eventually come back to Milwaukee, he coaches, you know, coached at his alma mater high school. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But what made this guy unique is that, uh, he was actually paralyzed, um, at the age of 16 and not from, from some freak accident, but he, he woke up one day and he couldn't get out of bed. And eventually his mom took him to the doctor and they ran some tests and they found out that he had a spinal aneurysm when he was sleeping. So essentially his, you know, part of his spine exploded Whoa. and uh, he's been unable to walk since the age of 16 and is now in his fifties. And um, to be around a guy like that every day, this really puts so much of life in perspective. Um, but I'm not you know, saying anything to, like this to patronize him, certainly he's an unbelievable basketball mind. Um, he taught me so many things from being around coach K, um, kind of that quiet intensity. Um, you know, even just watching film at the high school level that was just different than what I had experienced as a player at Marquette. Uh, and he's certainly been a a big influence on me. Um, even years later as a professional. Wow. That's certainly some story there. Definitely somebody you want taking under your wing when they have such a sharp basketball mind, no matter what the physical limitations. Now, what was maybe the biggest lesson you learned in transitioning from the playing to the coaching side of basketball? You mentioned the quiet intensity. Was there a, was there a specific lesson that maybe you started, to, you started to impart on your players as you got more into it? I think one of the biggest things that is often forgotten is that these kids are in high school. I mean, they're, they're kids. And as much as we as coaches want to treat them like men and, uh, we, we say that stuff verbally to these guys. Um, you know, their, their personalities are, are childish in a lot of ways. And so I think that the ability to kind of meet them as people, um, find out who they are and get to know them on a personal level goes a long way. You know, whether you're coaching high school kids, college kids, even pros. Um, so I think that's a big thing. Um, the other thing that I, that I took from Marquette, and I think probably the biggest thing that I can translate uh, to my life and anybody can translate was just that, 
Tom Crean used to always talk about fear. And he used to always say that that fear either motivates you or paralyzes you. And he was he was so right. I mean, we would literally have drills set up where we would play up to a certain uh, maybe number of points. So there'd be there'd be a, a, de- a dedicated end to a drill and there would always be a winner. So every every drill we did had a winner and the losers would do uh, pretty brutal conditioning. So you kind of had that choice mentally. If you were, let's say, playing up to seven in a game of full court one on one and you were down six to two, do you kind of just let a guy drive in and score and, and save up a little energy so that you could go run your sprints? Or do you continue to battle um, knowing that you're going to spend a lot of energy and then have to do the conditioning and maybe not make it? So you have to do it again. Um, those are just interesting kind of mental games that you play with yourself. And the more that you go through stuff like that, the more that you, you just don't even think about it anymore. You compete as hard as you can till you eventually win or lose. And then you just run the sprints. <laughs> and so I think that, uh, you know, to, to say that at the beginning, I probably would have said, yeah, you know, go ahead and score and, and beat me seven to one. But as I, as I got older and just went through the program, the more that I might lose six to four, but just keep playing hard the whole time. we've heard from other coaches before about playing kind of mental games with yourself to push yourself and, and keep you going. That's uh, yes, yeah, definitely something we've heard in the past. I've got a question about how, um, you know, you, you uh, coach across different skill levels, you know, you coach youth players, you've coached in the pros, you've coached college. Um, how do you adjust your strategy based on the skill level of the players that you're coaching? I think a lot of it is just figuring out kind of what the the fundamentals necessary to succeed at that level are. But then obviously as you get uh, players that are more skilled and older, there's just a lot more polish that goes into it. So um, again, coaching players in high school, college, professional level, you're looking at very minute details in terms of, um, you know, how do we improve small aspects of the game, whether it's around their footwork or their pivoting or, you know, how they catch you, how you catch the ball when you're preparing to shoot. Um, so it's much more detail oriented um, versus, you know, I actually almost enjoy coaching younger kids better because um, they're just, they're so hungry to learn. Um, in a lot of cases, they haven't been taught a lot of bad habits. And so it's, it's kind of like you're, you're painting with a fresh canvas um, and, and you can teach things the right way from the ground up. Tell us, um, let me jump in here. Um, You know, when working with youth players, that's uh, within Hustle. We find a lot of coaches that are working with youth players. We have a lot of youth players that download the app. You know, what are some of your favorite drills um, for youth players uh, that really make an impact? So I would say one thing that I was uh, really pushed uh, as a youth was around being able to, to handle a basketball. And I think that whether you're a guard or a post player, being able to handle the ball at a young age is really what separates the good players from the bad ones. Um, you have to be able to dribble the ball. And so, um, you know, even growing up in Wisconsin where six months out of the year, there's snow on the ground and it's hard to maybe find a gym. You know, I spent most of my evenings downstairs in a, in a cement basement, just doing dribbling drills, uh, whether it's around cones or chairs, 
um, various change of direction and work. Um, but just getting really comfortable with both hands, being able to start, stop, change direction, change speeds. All those things I think are, there's so many drills out there that teach those skills, but I would just encourage people to, to mix it up. Um, you know, just like lifting weights as an adult, I mean, your body adjusts quickly. So the more that you can challenge yourself with, with different things, so it's not always the same, probably the better. Yeah. Tell us about, um, playmakers basketball. I know that's um, a group that you're involved in and, uh, we're start or started up. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So when I was a senior in high school, I kind of had that entrepreneurial gene and, um, I had been to so many great camps as, as a player and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to take kind of the best of all these camps and bring it to my hometown? So I recruited a couple other players from the area and also um, a local coach that I knew well. And we started our own basketball camp. And that first year, we maybe had 100 kids show up, and it was great. And um, we actually had a friend come and DJ the camp. So it was <laughs> nice. high energy, ton of fun. By the third year, we had uh, probably 700 kids. And so we had to break this up into multiple gyms and sessions. And it was unbelievable. Wow. And so by the fourth year, um, you know, I was a, a senior in college. And we actually set up a full uh, summer camp circuit in the Midwest where we would go to a different city each week and run these camps. And we probably served more than 3,000 kids during that summer. But it was just such an awesome way to kind of share everything that we had learned, the talents that we had um, with all these kids that were, were hungry and had been, um, you know, that was us 10 years before that. And so... Um, it kind of basically grew from there. So Playmakers Basketball Camp was the start. And then as we kind of developed the name for ourselves, it naturally grew into an AAU program. Um, first and foremost for kids in central and northern Wisconsin that just didn't have maybe as many opportunities as kids in urban areas. And it's since branched out. So we have teams from um, grades 6 through 12 and both the boys and girls sides. And um, they play in, in tournaments regionally and um, occasionally travel nationally, but it's been an awesome way to um, kind of just bring a um, a mentality of of fundamentals to practices. So it's not just like a roll the ball out and let's play type of a type of an organization, um, but also giving these kids uh, exposure at the highest level. Got it. We are talking to John Wilcom here, author of Walk on Warrior: Drive, Discipline, and the Will to Win. Obviously, he's got the coaching background. He's got the playing background. Being a walk-on there at Marquette, tell us about your favorite memory as a walk-on. Was it uh, the first game, walking out, into the, walking out into the court, hearing all those fans? Was it a certain practice where Crean really got under your skin? Tell us a little bit about that. I don't know if it was my favorite memory, but the memory that sticks with me the most is we were losing at halftime of a game. And this was a game that I had not appeared in, so I was – just sitting in the locker room and um, typically we go in there, we talk as players, coaching staff would go into a different room. Then a few minutes later, they would come into the room and basically address what we needed to change in the second half. And coach Crean stormed into the locker room. And the first thing he says is John Wilcom, stand up. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking like, why in the world would he oh, tell no. me? To stand up? <laughs> I have not played. I haven't played a minute. So stand up. And, uh, he just chewed me out for about five straight minutes about how, uh, you know, I've been screwing around all week, how, you know, 
that type of mentality doesn't help the team. Um, you know, I didn't prepare the guys well enough, uh, by, you know, the scouting reports and the things that I have been doing during practice. And so I just got an absolute earful <laughs> storming out of the room. Um, the funniest part is that I was backing up an all American point guard. His name is Travis Diener, um, who actually go on to play in the NBA for six seasons. But Travis looks at me and we just started laughing and he just said, you know, this is great because you know, every future game that I'm playing terrible, he's just going to blame you. <laughs> and so, uh, we laughed about it, but the funny thing is, is we actually won the game. And you know, when I went home and thought about it that night, I was, I was actually angry, but I also thought it's pretty cool that he number one cares enough about my contribution that he would even say that. And <laughs> it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, which is just that, you know, my, he certainly valued my contribution. He certainly valued me being a part of the team and that, um, you know, he was making a point that just like everything that every one of us did, whether it was in the games or in practice, um, mattered to the outcome. So it was a good kind of life lesson. And it's something I've even tried to, uh, to pass on to players that may not get a lot of playing time. Cause, um, you know, their contributions do matter and, you know, bringing your best to practice sometimes is the way you contribute best to the team. I'll bet. Yeah. Like you said, he, he treated you like a, like a regular player. And that's what, uh, that's what mattered in the end for sure. That's what got you too. That's what, that's what got you to the forefront of his mind as he was making that speech at halftime. I'm sure. Um, let me ask you something it, uh, here at hustle. We, you know, we are all about the technology and advancing the game through that, through that method. Uh, in your, in your coaching experience, what kind of technology have you implemented for your kids and where do you see the future of that technology and training going? Yeah, unfortunately I worked at a lot of, um, almost low income schools. Um, so I haven't had a lot of access to that, but, um, even as, uh, as early as probably 2006, um, you know, we were creating, um, you know, digital videos, things like that, um, digital manuals to share with players. Um, and I certainly think that's a huge deal. You know, there's, there's so many cool technologies out there, whether, whether it's from a scouting standpoint, um, you know, an MBA, um, to this, uh, statistical software that, um, just informs decision-making. And I think that, um, you know, the key thing is that I think you have to strike a balance between um, finding something that's relatable to kids while at the same time saying you still got to put in the work. So whether you're watching a demonstration live or you're watching it through a live stream somewhere, um, at the end of the day, you got to go out and, and execute that stuff on your own. Um, and so I certainly think there's tons of opportunities there. I love what you guys are doing. Um, and I think that the more people that can get things as they want to consume it, um, at the right times, certainly a value. Well, we, we appreciate that always. Now, let me ask you, uh, before we get into our rapid fire round here, we do have the book walk on warrior available on Amazon for you folks. If there's one thing and you, we sort of touch on, touch on this a little bit, but I want to get specific, more specific. There's one thing you want your readers to walk away with after reading this book. What would that be? You know, the thing with this book is that I didn't necessarily like want to write a book and, and that's being a hundred percent honest. <laughs> I, I, I had written down things that were a hundred percent real and authentic. And I, there was really a fine line there between, um, you don't want to reveal, um, maybe the inner workings of a locker room, 
but at the same time, you want to tell an authentic story. And so I would say that um, for people that are looking for a recap of games or, you know, I would say go back and, and check the box scores. This, this book is not that. Um, but if you want a, a deep look into what it's actually like, number one, to um, have the opportunity to play Division One basketball, um, to what it's like going through a season in terms of what your, your daily schedule looks like, um, that's what this is. And so um, I think it's, it's really a kind of a no-holds-barred um, real-life real experience that I hope other people can read it and walk away inspired and just think, you know, if John can do that, there's no reason that I can't. And also, you know, if you're 13 or 14 and you're struggling with, you know, what should I actually be doing if I've got two hours a night to, to practice, um, hopefully you can take some drills and some ideas from that because um, there's a lot of stuff in there just in terms of how I maximize my time and um, how I became a better athlete. And I think that people could benefit from that. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say John Morant certainly a good example of that for sure. Let's get into our rapid fire round here before, before we let you go, John, uh, real quick, we're just going to throw some questions at you and whatever first thing that comes to your mind, you let us know what that is and we'll just get right into it. And let's just segue right out, right out of there, right out of talking about your book. What's the toughest part of writing a book? Probably the editing. You have ideas in your head, but uh, after you reread them several times, especially after long nights of writing, uh, you're like, wow, I can't actually put that in front of somebody. We need to clean it up. So it's, it's the least amount of fun and probably the hardest. I've got a question. What's your favorite basketball shoe of all time? You may not know what this is, but it was called the Nike MZ3. Okay. And you should look these it? up. They had this little shiny plate on the side. And I was probably 13 years old and I had a pair of these. And I always thought they were the most comfortable um, actual game shoe that I ever wore. Oh, yeah. I just, I'm, looking, I'm looking at them right now. Those are shiny. I love it. That's, that's bringing the attention to yourself. That's how you really got spotted by Green, I'll bet. Uh, let me ask you, what's your favorite sports movie of all time? Uh, this is a super easy one. It's Field of Dreams. Uh, I get emotional every time I watch that movie. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Absolutely. So, uh, um, Ed Hustle, we, we're all about those uh, sports drills and, and finding out the great places and great resources for that. Are there any YouTube channels that you like to check out for coaching tips? I don't spend a lot of time on YouTube, but I spend a ton of time on Twitter. And I think there's always, um, there's always different group chats. There's so many coaches on there that share um, you know, drills and experiences and clinics that I would definitely check out. Got it. Now, let me ask you, what is, this isn't really a rapid fire question, but I, I, I'm just curious, what was the most unexpected thing becoming a walk-on at Marquette? We got free Gatorade every day. Ooh. That was great. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, you get a ton of free gear. Um, we got visited by Nike reps, which is super cool. I still think I'm bitter about, they promised us a custom uh, blue and gold shoe that never came. The MZ3, uh, was it? It was not MZ3, <laughs> but um, so there was that. And the other thing was that and this was probably the most unexpected of the whole experience was that after I left Marquette, I actually ended up working for Rick Majerus, who was one of the most unique individuals um, probably ever to coach basketball. And 
he spent 15 years at Utah and then I was at St. Louis and has uh, now passed away, but he was an amazing guy. And there are some quirky stories in the book about my time with him that I think a lot of people really get a kick out of. There you go. Well, we'll certainly have to give it a read here. Yeah, I'm uh, a character. I'd, I'd say so. He's and he he was a, he was a journeyman himself. He certainly made the rounds and devoted his whole life to coaching. And it was a I'm sure a great mentor, like we said earlier, to have. Seems to be a trend here as we as we continue these interviews. Appreciate your time here again, John. And I heard you say real quick before that you're all over all over Twitter a bunch. Let's hear the handle and uh, let's hear it one more time. Uh, the brief description here: Walk on Warrior, Drive, Discipline, and the Will to Win. So the book is available on Amazon. Um, Barnes and Noble and several other online channels. Mm -hmm. My Twitter handle is John Wilkham. And um, I look forward to interacting with people. Um, like I said, the book is, it's raw, it's authentic. Um, there's a lot of stories in there, um, not only about basketball, but just about meeting people. And I think that, you know, action leads to action. And so uh, when you're out doing things, um, you know, I would go, go on to live in, in several places. And, and one was Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, you know, met folks like Aaron Rodgers randomly. And um, so some really interesting stuff in there. But I think that um, it's certainly inspiring to people that you just kind of got to get off your couch sometimes and go do something with the talent that you have. Um, so many people tell me that, you know, they're not good enough yet to do something. I would say, you know, today's the day. Um, you have enough ability. We're always getting better. But go out and do do what you can with what you have dedication i'd say i'd say you re, you retain that and that's what we're trying to impart in all our athletes here as they try and get to the next level as well john appreciate the time again that twitter handle is john welcome with two l's everyone so make sure you go ahead and give them a follow head over to amazon check out walk on warrior drive discipline and the will to win john i'm sure we'll check in with you down the line here but appreciate you coming on again tonight and uh take care thanks so much guys uh, go yeah, bucks thanks. go bucks let's go <laughs> Have a good one. Have a good one. See you later.